I am an entrepreneur, small business owner, and marketer for the last 20 years, meaning I have to have an imagination on how to keep the lights on every single month for me and my wife and my family. Right. And that's the difference. We need problem solvers, collaborators, not singular individuals like Gavin Newsom right now. It's like one size fits all governorship. Welcome to another Empire Show. This is Bedros Koulian, and this is an inside look. Today, we've got an awesome guest with us for this inside look episode, and it is someone who's running for the governor's seat in the great state of California here, Mr. Major Williams. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming out to HQ. Um, now, you live in Pasadena. Yes, yes, Pasadena. But is California, has it been home for you your whole life? No, uh, I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. I came out here on a visit 21 years ago. Mm. On the third day, I met the woman I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Gotcha. And I just never went back. So, so she's California a California State native. One. Yeah, she is. She was born in Altadena, which is right adjacent to Pasadena. Sure. sure. Gotcha. So, of course, you made that move because you had no choice. I had no choice. You had no choice. Good I was man. Hooked. Good man. And so, obviously, living here in California for 21 years now, mm -hmm. Uh, 21, you, you've seen a lot of changes Absolutely. In our, in our great state. And oftentimes when people reach out to me, they're like, hey, Bedros, when you're making all this money as an entrepreneur and you're paying 8 to 12% higher taxes, mm -hmm. don't you want to move to another state? Well, I've had the good fortune to travel to every state in the union. Right. And uh, I just love California. There's right. something special about what we have with the weather, with the mountains, with the ocean. And I choose not to be run out of this state. And um, for that reason, I've decided that I'm not going to run out. I'm not going to leave like everyone else. Right. I'm going to stay and fight and going to make California great again. Right. And, of course, that's when I, as I was going through that mental process throughout mid-2020, because there was a time during that period where I was like, maybe we want to leave after all. Maybe right. this is the time. Uh, Ryan Williams. Yes. Uh, mutual friend. Yes. Or not Williams, I'm sorry. You're, you're uh, Ryan, no, no, Ryan Tillman. You know I, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know he's talking about. Ryan Tillman. Um, great, great officer. Yes. Great guy. Yeah, right out here. Uh, he goes, hey, man, I want you to meet someone. And so as I started to kind of explore who you are, it's like, you know what? Maybe my gut is right. Maybe we're not going to leave. Maybe we yeah. can make California great. And, of course, I wanted the opportunity to have you on the show for yeah. that reason. So. You're running for the seat of governor, mm -hmm. but you're running for the seat of governor from a very different perspective that California is used to, uh, not used to. Explain that. Well, I didn't see the change that I wanted in our state, obviously. So, I, you know, as my grandfather always told me, he said, become that change. But I also uh, wanted to be a part of the political climate. I ran for mayor of Pasadena, so mm -hmm. I started two years before then. And after that race was over, I became the president of the New California Governor Committee. And the whole premise of, of that was to stay politically active, to support the next Republican governor candidate running for office. Uh, during that time, the vetting process, we spoke to at least 11 potential candidates. And at the end of every scenario of me speaking to them is telling me this is what we need to do like this is how we restore our state they would look at me like major you should just do it like time and time again now so wait you're talking to potential candidates yeah and after talking to 11 of them everyone comes to the conclusion that yeah. maybe you ought to be the one doing this right 
And it wasn't just because of my, my presentation. They were also from an analytical standpoint of what I did during my Mayoria run. So there was an old joke when I first announced that I was going to run it in Pasadena um, that I was going to get 100 votes. You know, who is this guy? He's a first-time candidate. He's not going to get 100 votes. And the reason why they said that is because a gentleman ran in 2015, prominent black guy in the neighborhood. Everyone knows him. Uh, and he only got 512 votes. Got it. Everybody was shocked and surprised, right? Uh, so obviously, I'm going to get 100 votes. No one knows who I am or whatever, right? So we get close to 5,000 votes. Gotcha. 5,000 votes, different uh, from a, a vast variety of demographics there. And so from them, not only in my presentation, but from looking at what I was able to do there and be effective with my messaging and the solutions that I offered the city and the citizens, it made more sense for them to say, we should try this on a statewide level. Because now you have a base and people are listening to you from a variety of parties, from different age groups, from different uh, uh, socioeconomic backgrounds. And so they kind of pushed me into that particular space. Now. I have a sports background, so I'm very competitive. So in my mind, I don't want to run again because I just lost. Right. I don't want to be that guy right. like that's always running for races and whatnot. And so I was kind of hesitant. Uh, being a very spiritual guy, um, uh, being strong in my faith, my grandfather is one of the most influential people in my life. And uh, he passed away some years ago, but the guy won't stop talking to me. Sure. And he literally came to me 178 days ago in a dream at 4.30 in the morning, and he said two words. He said, step up. Literally just shook me, and I woke up, and I shook my wife and told her what just happened. And my wife, she's so great. She just grabbed my hand, she prayed for me. And literally, when I opened up my eyes after that prayer, I saw myself getting sworn in as the 41st governor of California. Mm. Mm. So I had to do it. And ever since then, 178 days, we have been working our way and navigating up and down the coast and our perspective is different. We're not coming in and saying we're geniuses and we have the, a magic wand. We're going to deal in reality and we also want to listen to the people. So every dollar that I've been able to raise have allowed me to stay on the road and stay active so I can get in front of everyday people like myself and ask them the questions, what do you want? What are your ideals? What are your suggestions? What are the solutions? Because I don't see any elected officials or even candidates making that type of effort. Everyone is saying, you know, this is my platform, this is my platform. Well, I'm not opposed to giving you my platform, but it has to come from what I've gathered out sure. on the campaign trail, sure. which makes me uniquely different. Well, that already is uniquely different because in the 38 years that I've lived in California, no one has come to me or my family yeah. to ask, what do you want? Yeah. How do you want this state to look? And I could understand when I was a young kid and we lived in poverty and no one was going to ask us. But in the last uh, 15 years or so, yeah. I've been doing well in life. Right. And I'm a citizen of California. And no one has still asked me. Right. Yet they take my money and make decisions with it. Mm -hmm. And so that already is a very unique direction that you're coming from. And so I love hearing the fact that you realize you, you're being called to do this. Yeah. This isn't like, hey, I, I think I'm going to do this because, again, with not having won the mayoral run in Pasadena and being competitive, yeah, I get it. Hey, do I really want to run as a governor? But when you're being called to do something, you don't have a choice anymore. Absolutely. And you're you can vehicle. look at the momentum in, in the shift. You know, it took me two years. Just let's use Instagram for an example. It took sure. me two years to get 8,000 followers, you know, just having a, a, a nice base. Yeah. This is 178 days later, and I'm at 172,000 followers, mm. 155,000 followers, uh, over 200-something thousand on Facebook. So 
our messaging is effective and it's working, but it's only because I'm being honest and transparent with them and upfront. There is no magic wand, but there is ways that we can move forward to restore our state collectively together. People want a partnership with their elected officials. Yeah. The difference is, you know, we're looking at these elected officials and they're kind of like up here and we're screaming up and, you know, they can't hear nothing but like an echo and it's like faint, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm actually right down here with them and I'm talking to them and they're sharing emotions and they're crying and they're telling me their stories and they're telling me their ideas and they're excited about it. I go to these small towns and me as a candidate, I'm just, I'm excited myself, right? But when I go to these towns, they're super excited and I'm surprised that they're excited, but they tell me, you don't understand. No one ever comes here. Right. No one ever comes here. I share a quick story. We were at a, a Enduring, California, and we stopped at a gas station. There was no one on the inside of the gas station, so we just got the gas outside. We see a kid running back into the gas station. My guy that was with him, he asked me, it's like, you know, uh, what, what, we came in here, no one was around. He said, man, Major Williams is at a fundraiser down the street. I had to work, but I tried to see if I can go get a picture from him real quick. Wow. The guy left his post and didn't know I was right there at the gas station yeah, yeah, yeah. in my truck. So uh, he told him I was over there. He came over. He was happy. We took a selfie. I did a video telling his mom, you know, hello also. Yeah. But those are the type of moments that we represent. And those don't exist with any other candidates or elected officials anywhere. So we are approaching it differently. And it's not made up. This is just who I am. Yeah. And you can clearly see that because as I've been following you, well after Ryan Tillman introduced me to you via social media, he was like, hey, do you want me to make an introduction? I was like, not yet. Yeah. Let me just see what he's about. You can see the transparency, and that's what social media is really good at. Like and a grammatical error sometimes. Right, 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 <laughs> which makes you human. And I could respect that being a foreigner. I don't speak and write well, and so people always call me out on my, on my writing. So I, I get that. So uh, outside of that, being called to it by, by a dream where your grandfather visits you and gives you those two words, step up, what qualifies you to be a great governor? Well, for the last 20 years, I have had my version of success in multiple industries, being in the entertainment industry, being in sports, but ultimately being a marketing executive. A marketing executive has to have the unique ability, if you want to be successful in that field, to be able to negotiate, how to use leverage, how to speak to people, how to effectively market, how to sell, and how to build companies and businesses and, and create structure and format. For me, that is leadership in a nutshell when it comes to uh, what we are missing. So Oftentimes people think um, it, it means master degrees. It means that you've held multiple offices that make you actually qualify for it. Well, from looking at the data and statistics, we are we're looking at these same individuals that you're saying that are qualified, that are making so many mistakes, and or are part of the main reasons why we are united in the F word, and that F word is frustration, right? Mm -hmm. So let's not let's try something different. It, it's not it's not one of those differences where it's going to take us. This is the formula of, so I tell people all the time, every, everything that we do already is politics. You already qualify. I would vote for an electrician to be the next governor of California. You know why? Why? Because at least they deal in completion. If they come to your business mm -hmm. or to your home, they can't leave, get the check or the yes, unless what? The job is done. Politicians and elected officials do not operate in that space. They're like Bingo. career workers and educators. Bingo. Me, I am an entrepreneur, small business owner and marketer for the last 20 years, meaning I have to have an imagination on how to keep the lights on every single month for me and my wife and my family. Right. And that's the difference. We need problem solvers, collaborators, not singular individuals like Gavin Newsom right now. It's like one size fits all governorship. 
It just shouldn't, it shouldn't exist at this point. It's 2022. Well, you made a really good point there. Look, in this building, in fact, right before 2021, you came, I'm sorry. 21, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. I like how you're forward thinking. I like how you're forward thinking. But right before you came here, I was interviewing someone for a new position in our company. And I said, hey, look, uh, just so you know, you're not here to trade time for dollars. You're not just going to put in your 40 hours a week and you're going to get paid. In this building, we only get paid for done. And every entrepreneur I know <clears throat> that makes money and is profitable and is able to donate to their church and charities and causes that they believe in, get paid when the job is done. Right. Yet what we've seen historically in all governor, from mayoral to, to the state government to all the way to the top, rarely do they get the thing across the finish line because they're incentivized to not. Yeah. To not. And so... So they conflict it. Bingo. And so when I saw someone like you who comes from the entrepreneurial space, that comes from a place of humility and comes from a place of being competitive as an athlete, and an athlete always wants to win, yes. I go, well, as long as he has the best interest of the people, we will all win together yeah. because you are literally programmed as an entrepreneur, as an athlete, to get shit done. Absolutely. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Big time. It's, just, it's, it's natural in my DNA. It has to, we have to have an end goal and we have to have completion. And we have to win. Like, where are the championships at? Mm -hmm. where, where are the victories in the political sphere? But we also want to show a different version of making it fun, making it engaging. And that's why our campaign just represents uh, a variety of messages. And we do it from a way of making people think, you know, and we make it fun. But we're also serious at the same time. So we give you different complexities in regards to what we bring to the table. So let's talk about something that I believe in our state, California, is like the big giant pink elephant. Yeah. You are running as a Republican. Yes. A conservative. Yes. You are pro-Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. You are very different than all the other governors, historically, that this great state has voted for. Yeah. Now, we also realize it's for that reason the state is in the shitter. Right. <laughs> we get that. We get that. But how are you going to change the minds of the people who have historically voted against the opposing party? Well, there's an opportunity, you know, that, that's the imagination, uh, you know, running away. Like, how do we fix it? How do we, how do we message effectively? I put it all on my shoulders. If it doesn't happen, that means that I didn't do a good enough job communicating my message, uh, presenting the best plan for us to move forward or to restore our state. Uh, I wasn't able to unify or galvanize us in, in, in the way that I see it actually happening. But I will tell you that my unique ability, and some people don't understand it, I have a superpower and I have a gift. My gift is being able to go in a variety of different rooms in industries or demographics or whatever, and, and at some percentage of it, uh, be compelling or get my point across. So how I work is I can go to the projects and I can speak to the kid with the pants sag and with the braids. You know why? Because I used to be that kid, right? Mm -hmm. Democrats, I used to be a Democrat also, so I know how they think as well too. My mom was on welfare for 20 years. There was a ceiling. So I felt like, you know, the government loved us because it gave my mom free, uh, free food and free money, sure. right? And then I elevated past that. Conservatism was a better route for me. Free thinking. I'd rather someone show me how they made the $100 versus give me $100. Why? Because I can replicate that and also share that with people around me to empower them as well. Um, but I think that California has never seen a, a person like myself uh, that was so bold. 
Um, but to go back to my analogy of being able to speak to kids in the projects, I can also go, go and exist with the soccer moms, me and my wife, right? Because we exist in that space as well. But from having my personal success as a marketing executive, I've sat with millionaires and billionaires and, and added value to every conversation as well too. So now, you know, it's like a triple threat. But then I walk into every room and I never turn into a, a, a cat. I'm always a lion in every room and every space I walk into. And everyone feels that. And so uh, that's how we're going to do it. People are looking for leadership right now. Um, they're, they're looking for strength, but they're looking for someone who's going to uh, be representative of everyone. Yes, I am a Republican, but my campaign is for everybody, for all Californians, and which is why I always specify this is not my campaign. It literally is all of our campaign, mm -hmm. and we have a unique opportunity to turn the tide because the, the state of the state, is the, the morale is really low right now. So I want to be the one to be the lightning rod to come and spark everybody and say, hey, we can do better, we can unite, we can work this out and restore our state, but it has to happen with a different brand of leadership that's bringing a different conversation in the halls of Sacramento. And that's great, and I love the fact that you're using marketing and your ability to reach the people of California yeah. who might have a very different perspective than you do yeah. to, get a, to, get change, to help change their mind. But at the end of the day, every politician has had some kind of a marketing team around them right. to parrot off a narrative Right. to stir emotions because we know that emotions create motion and they want to get voted in. So let's, before I kind of hold your feet to the fire, yeah. and I am going to hold your feet to the fire, yes. what exactly is wrong with California right now? Because I don't think, see people go, dude, you should get out of California. And they say that to me because someone else, they heard someone else say that and mm -hmm. they go, the two things are like, well, it's not gun friendly and uh, it's going to hell with all the taxes. But there's a lot more wrong in California. And I want to sure. know what you see is wrong with California and to see if it's congruent with my vision as well. So maybe list off what you think is wrong with California right now. So first of all, we have to identify that there is a laundry list of things that people feel like that's wrong with California. Uh, one of them that's at the top is homelessness. Uh, under Gavin Newsom's leadership, homelessness has risen over 16% Why over the is last that, two man? years. Well, anytime you look at homelessness like a business versus a service, this is, what you, this is the output that you get. Only until we change the mentality of how we approach homelessness like a service, then there, there, there are checks and balances and there is accountability. When it's a business, it's kind of like how we said earlier, someone is profiting and benefiting off of it, mm -hmm. so it's not in their best interest for it to actually be complete. Homelessness right now is an industry. It shouldn't be looked at as an industry. Let me just bring that back for a moment for all of the slow listeners in my audience. <laughs> Listen, and I was one of you guys, and so I know I'm a slow listener learner. I have to read a book seven times to get it. I'm not kidding you. I'm currently on the uh, seventh version of Think, Not Think and Grow Rich, the other Napoleon Hill book, uh, Outwitting the Devil. But that's a different story. When homelessness is a business, mm -hmm. we end up having more homelessness. Yes. Sir, can you explain how homelessness can be a business? Because I'm sure a lot of people like me out there are like, yeah. bro, what are you talking about? So when homelessness is a business, that means that it's set up to receive funding per person, per facility. So if you are truly doing your job when it's a service, that means that you're going to be limiting the funds coming into your organization, to your facility, etc. 
there has to be a balance when it comes to that. And so people are, um, they're winging people. They're not getting the best services. Everyone is just kind of, you know, on the surface with it versus really doing the work to get people reacclimated back into society. Because the three pillars that will decrease homelessness in California, one of them is mental health hospitals. Mm -hmm. The third one is drug and rehab facilities. And the, I'm sorry, the second. And the third one, the first two don't work unless you have the third one, which is wraparound services. Wraparound services is something I learned from working with nonprofits and group homes very early on for six years when I first moved to California. And it's when kids turn 17 to 18 years old, you have to have them uh, walk through a process of transitioning into adulthood, right? So if you're coming out of mental health, that means you pretty much have nothing. You probably have limited family, limited resources, so there's no direction. So that sets an individual up to actually come be right back in that same predicament with wraparound services, trade school, job training, housing, medication, wellness, um, personal hygiene. So am I hearing you say that you want to help homeless people become better? Absolutely. That is not how the state is currently run. Absolutely. Which not. goes back to when homelessness is considered a business yeah. and for every additional person who's homeless in our state, the state gets more funding. All with the best of intentions. Yeah. And, and another thing, when I, talk, when I tell you about marketing, when you see the tent encampments all over the place, specifically like Skid Row, mm -hmm. that's really an image to, to attract more funds. Because if they can show that imagery, it, it means that they receive more funds. Sure. Look how bad it is, so give us money. More, more money. So I've always told people this. I said, once I become governor and I'm sworn in, for a good short amount of time, I'm going to be very unpopular because I am going to clean off the streets, the sidewalks and our parks with the homeless tent encampment. But I'm not gonna be a vicious uh, dictator type of individual. They're gonna have outlets and things to do and we're gonna empower them. I mean, most of them have jobs to help us clean off sure. all the tent encampments. Sure. And the, the ideal is this, when I go to uh, Skid Row, and I go often with my nonprofit, we give away shoes, uh, feed people. But I was, I was noticing a certain trend when I say business versus service. When these individuals are lining up on a Saturday or a Sunday for those free meals, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of rewarding that behavior. My thing is, if you're, going to be, if you're going to be in this line, we have a brand new facility that's right over here, you must take a shower. Mm. You must take a shower. You have to log in, take a shower. We have food banks, we have clothing banks. So a percentage of those individuals, if they have that type of access and resources, they feel something different about themselves. Sure. Your confidence it's, begins. It's, 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 so it's psychological, but no leadership is willing to go that to that extent to empower, to enrich and motivate and inspire individuals. And that's what's different. These guys are lethargic. Um, and they're just worker, worker bees, so sure. to speak. We have to be leaders mm -hmm. and be forward thinking when it comes to how do we remedy the situation. So to that point, we understand the homelessness and how it continues to grow because it's being treated as a business rather than a service. Mm -hmm. And the service should be to make them whole again through mental health, through obviously giving them a skill, et cetera. What about, why am I paying so, so high in taxes? Like, why am I paying such ridiculous levels of taxes, Major? Yeah. And where's that money going right now? So we know that California is the fifth largest economy in the world. 
we, we, we don't lack resources or money. We just have terrible mismanagement and spending here in our state. There's a lot of wasteful spending. Uh, one of the main reasons why our taxes are so high is because we only know how to taxi, uh, tax the citizens to get things done <coughs> um, at, at, the, at the end of the day. Until we have someone in leadership that understands how to create new revenue, only then will we be able to sit at the table to reduce taxes here in our state. And when I say new revenue, this is an ideal that I have. California is not business friendly. Right. But imagine if California was. This is the Mecca. This is like the brand of all brands of states. Oklahoma, Arizona, and Texas yeah. are literally running ads on the radio here, <laughs> luring away businesses by offering incentives. Yeah. So how do we become business friendly? You insert a different <clears throat> brand of leadership that understands that, that acknowledges that, that wants to compete that's going to attract those companies back or attract new companies here. One of the main things that I'm doing with my Restore California plan is going to be a program where I'm going to solicit four manufacturers, huge manufacturers, minimum four to 5,000 jobs per manufacturing company. Because yeah. the ideal is this, 20, 30 years ago, our great grandparents or whatever worked in factories and they had a great life for themselves. So I want to, I want to provide a different alternative that's going to be available for them. Now, the reason for that is it's going to create a ripple I believe in setting st uh, steps and layers because, as I said, there is no magic wand. But over a period of course of time, you'll be able to change the narrative in regards to fiscally how California is running. So instantly, we bring four companies or manufacturers back. There's what? There's jobs. Uh, the economy changes. The businesses around them thrive as well. And there's new revenue for Californians. There's new, new revenue for the it. government. But let me ask you this. How are you going to incentivize companies to leave Texas Arizona. Um, restrictions. Oh. You got to lower restrictions. If you eliminate a lot of restrictions and create those incentives, and also you look at success. What is Texas doing? What is Oklahoma doing? We will, we will, we will copy and paste their model and we Bingo. will take it back. Bingo. I want, I want you to stop right there. Folks, pay attention <laughs> and listen as we do this. We, we have so many people that have been on this exact show and they've said success leaves clues mm -hmm. and to model success. Mm -hmm. And here you are repeating that, not so much about a business because the Empire Show is about starting and building businesses uh, that are going to impact the world. But really, if we run the state like a business, right. we copy and paste what other states have done that are friendly to entrepreneurs Absolutely. and businesses. Absolutely. And so you're willing to do that. 100%. And lower restrictions 100%. so that we can actually have margins open up. Absolutely. And I do the exact same thing with homelessness also. There is a, a, a great model in Austin, Texas, and also in Fresno. And I'm working with them right now to kind of craft it for California specifically. Yeah. But there are workable, positive models that they have already that exist. And my mind is blown for the simple fact that we haven't tapped into those type of resources and started to mirror some of that here in our state. To, to remedy our homeless crisis. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. So what other things are on your agenda to do? Let's say I can wave the magic wand and bam, Major Williams is in office. Yeah. First 90 days, how are you going to start the fixing process of California? What are the big things? So the first 100 days, we are going to uh, fight against SB 276 and 277, which are mandatory vaccinations. Uh, as many families and businesses that are leaving, there are many families leaving because of they don't they refuse to allow want their kids to get vaccinated here in the state. Right. I myself am against uh, my kids getting vaccinated. I'm not against people vaccinating. I believe it's a choice. And so in my first 100 days, we will create executive orders to basically wipe that particular those two particular bills out we're going to attack bills like uh, AB5 as well and we're also going to what is AB5 AB5 is the bill that um, that basically takes 
the rights away from uh, independent contractors and basically takes your uh, ability away to work. So if you want to, if I wanted to work for you, but like two days a month, uh, it makes it more difficult for them to do that because now you actually have to put me on payroll, you have to put me in workers' comp, Right, which makes it more expensive for me. Absolutely, so it's a ripple effect. And it's not in your benefit because you're paying taxes out of your paycheck. Absolutely. Which is only to the benefit of the state because they're gonna take that money and squander Absolutely. it. Absolutely, and, and the, the government, and the individuals who created this legislation, they use it as if they're helping you. Like, we created this to help you so you're not getting burnt by the employers or whatever. But if you have a working relationship and you sign that agreement and you're okay with it for each per individual person, they, they agree with that. They're okay with that space. Sure. So AB5 is a real strong one that we're going to do. And I'm, I'm really interested in sitting down with our teachers unions, teachers union also. Uh, Common Core Curricular is something that really agitates me. Uh, Explain uh, that. So Common Core Curriculum in our schools, uh, there is excessive uh, curriculum that they have that exists when kids are learning about sexual education way sooner than I would, uh, I would like in millions of other sure. parents. Sure, same here. here. Too, Which uh, is why my kids are in private school. Yeah, exactly. And um, for me, it's one of those things where we have to have a real tough conversation. I need to understand the logic and also the data behind the curtains so I can understand that. Uh, I, I won't understand it, first of all. Right, right. Um, because there's no logic. There's agenda. <laughs> behind it, not Absolutely. logic. Absolutely. And so that is something that um, I'm going to address very aggressively, very sternly. And the thing is this with me. Um, I am a fair individual, uh, but I'm a shrewd business person. I'm a shrewd leader uh, when it comes to certain topics and certain things, in addition to child sex trafficking as well. Uh, and just understanding that uh, uh, California cannot exist and thrive and be restored the way I want it if we don't restore our immigration system mm -hmm. uh, and, and eliminate sanctuary cities. Uh, we are we are open to reforming the process of getting people uh, with their papers and their credentials if they're adding value to the state as they want to, no issue with that. But for the illegal individuals and the people that are coming here creating crime, there will be no uh, leeway for that, for that at all. Let's talk about that for a moment because yeah. I'm an immigrant to the United yeah. States, right? I'm an immigrant. We entered legally. We, we escaped Soviet Union. We went into Italy. We went to the American consul. After 10 days of my father speaking uh, to the American consul and saying, look, I'm a political refugee. I will tell you everything you need to know about the communism and how communism was run and what intentions they have. Uh, we'd love legal entry into the United States. We entered legally. And my dad's mentality was because we worked so hard to escape and enter legally, mm -hmm. son, you're going to grow up and you're going to serve this country, yeah. serve the people and the, yeah. and the country will serve you. Great mentality. I have no problem with immigration. Right. I have a massive problem with people pouring in illegally yeah. and then my tax dollars. Yes. And even, by the way, even if you're an employee, you're paying a massive amounts of taxes out of your paycheck if you live in California. Those tax dollars are funding yeah. those illegal immigrants. Their medical bills and everything. Take for instance, so how are you going to fix that, man? Like that's, that sounds like a daunting. It. What does reform mean? So, so reform is going to be working with some of the best and brightest here in our state. Uh, we have to work with an amazing legal team and also legislators to create legislation that's going to close some of those loopholes. Uh, is it going to be easy? No. A lot of people are going to fight us on it. Uh, but we have to take those first steps forward in order to make sure we get that agenda passed. Um, 
there, once more, it won't be a magic wand. It's going to be something that's difficult, but being the governor, you do have certain powers with executive orders, which could expedite it or halt it at that particular stance. And uh, I'm sure we may get pushed back, but I'm, I'm ready for that as well. Okay. So, so really what you're saying is you, you're ready to take on a fight because- 100%. Okay. It, it's, it's like when people always ask me, like, why would you want to get in politics? Like, you run your nonprofit, you know, you hang out with your kids or whatever the case may be. And I always come back to the analogy of like, if you're a boxer, right? And people's like, why do you box? Like, you know, my thing is I don't mind getting hit, but I love the fight. And that's my whole, that's why I'm boxing. That's sure. why I'm in politics. I'm, I'm okay with it. I can take a punch. Sure. So let's just shift gears for a moment. From what I can tell you, you got two sons? Three. Three sons? Yep. One okay. just turned five today. Got it. Okay. So it seems like the older two were traveling with you recently? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. I saw that video. You got three sons. So happy birthday to your youngest of sons. Thank you. Um, and of course, you're married. Yes. What is the toll that this whole thing is having on you right now in your family? Because you're all over, man. I mean, yeah. you're you're all over trying to get the word out that Major is here to do something very different for the state of California, which I can appreciate that fight. Yeah. But what is the toll on your family? Can I ask? Sure. Is there um, a toll on your family? So for the for the first two years when I was running for mayor of Pasadena, um, the last eight weeks of that campaign, I burnt out. You know, because I was doing everything myself yeah. and just, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of support and I raised only 40 grand in two years. But that was just me and my entry. Um, um, fast forward now, this is a bigger scale. You know, this is California sure. is so much more uh, bright light, so to speak. And there's so much people, so many people pulling at you. So and it has certain toes on it. Um, but collectively, we're in it together. Um, one of the main reasons why you see my sons with me is because my sons uh, is starting to affect them in the sense of their behavior. Mm. So they're always with their mom and their behavior has changed. I'm like, are you serious? He did that? And I said, me and my wife kind of had a, a, a heart to heart. We was like, you know what? I think it's because of your presence. You know, uh, they act totally different when you sure. are around, right? So I basically, yep. so the, 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 um, I basically had to make a decision. I said, I need to include them in the process as much as possible, which is why you saw them uh, come out on the road with me recently. Yep. And they love it. You know, they're still talking about it. They're going back on the road with me. We're going to Oakland. Then we're going back to San Francisco. Then we're going to Sacramento. That's so awesome. I just gave them jobs. You know, I have them go. carry all the bags. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, that's funny. So one of the things we talk about on the show a lot, and one of the things I do with my franchisees, when they ask, well, now I'm a business owner. How do I have work-life balance? You're not going to have work-life balance. Yeah. You're going to have a work-life mix. There you go. And that's exactly it. I, really, since Andrew and Chloe were small, we would, I'd have a speaking gig somewhere, and we'd fly out as a family sometimes, yeah. or just maybe me and Andrew or me and Chloe, and then I would speak at the event. Then we'd spend two days in New York doing the Empire State Building right. and Statue of Liberty. You have to blend it. You have it's to blend a mix. It. It's a mix. And so I, I love seeing you setting that pace. Uh, for your family, that's that's really and and, and I love the dynamic because I don't I didn't know my father growing up. I don't have a relationship with him. I don't even know who he is. How come? He's not in the picture. Okay. Um, you know, he my mom they never was together. I think it was like probably like a one night stand. Who knows? Sure. Uh, but I don't know the guy. Yeah. Um, but I always tell people I could have looked at that two different ways. One of them I could have came just like that individual, or I was just so fired up. I said when I have kids I never be that type of dad, and that's what that's who I've been to my kids ever since. And so even having them on the road with me and they was with me for, for my mayoral year, but it was local, right? But yeah, this yeah. is this is a different ballpark, and it feels so good because my kids I just see how they look at me 
sometimes. And uh, I did an interview for the first time, not the interview, but I did a podcast. And um, I think, um, I forgot where it was, Moderna or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's close to Fresno. Great people at the, at the AG Center. Yeah. And um, I, was, I was talking about the strength of my wife. But in my peripheral, because I was a point guard, I'm looking at my, my, my 10-year-old son, and he's sitting in the front row, and it's just like, I just see his eyes gleaming, right? And I just kind of get choked up, yeah. you know, because, uh, you know, my wife has been there with me for 20 years, 20 plus years. Sure. We've been married 15 years. And this is an evolution to who I am. You know, I was the guy who had braids, pants sagging. You know, I was that guy, you mm -hmm. know, 20-some years ago to be able to evolve into this place right when now. When you were that guy, did the yeah. world owe you something? You felt Absolutely. Like, really? Absolutely. It was your fault because I uh -huh. was successful. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Sure. I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that evolution uh, of, of getting away from that and saying I want something different because I saw myself differently, even, even in that particular space, but I didn't know how to get to that, to that point okay. because I didn't have those voices or examples. So I always look at myself as a late bloomer, but God makes things happen all in the perfect time. Yeah. So I can be able to be that vessel and or, or leader or teacher for my kids Makes and so sense. it all worked out so let, let me ask you something earlier you said you're, you're like hey because I could I could understand the guy from the hood who's got his braids and his pants sagging because yeah. I was there and I could understand the millionaire and billionaire and add value to that community that that's great and then you 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 went right to you said hey and um, you know I used to be a Democrat and I changed my ideology mm -hmm. but what what shift, what took place, because what, what I found, and I don't know if this happened with you, yeah. but the, and if anyone wants to know, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a, a conservative per se Republican. I'm like, let's live by the Constitution, government small, all operate out of great character and morals. If there was anything, I'm probably more of a libertarian. Yeah. But all that said, I found that when because I got a nephew, he was like, man, we need to be taxed more because the rich don't need to make all this money and all this <laughs> stuff, right? And I was like, okay, keep telling me that. You know, so he told me that for about seven years. And then he quit his job. He quit his job and he started running a social media ad agency. Mm -hmm. And then when he started to, and he lives in California, when he saw how much he was paying, he very quickly went from being a Democrat <laughs> to a governor as far as who's voting, or to, to a, a Republican to right. who's voting for it, right? And I said, hey, what, what happened? What happened with the change? He's like, man, do you know how much we get taxes on? Like, what do you think I've been telling you this whole time? <laughs> so typically I'll see that shift happen from Democrat to Republican when their money is concerned. Right. What caused that shift for you? Well, me, mine wasn't because of that. Mine was just I was uninformed in, in what being a Democrat entailed. I wasn't politically active up until like four and a half years ago. And I had a crash course in policy and politics four and a half years ago by joining a good friend of mine who ran for lieutenant governor of California. So having the experience and the success as a marketing uh, executive, he brought me on board to help him with marketing, but also be the community outreach guy. It was a close to $4 million campaign, so he had the best people around him that was helping him with this campaign, and I was right next to him. So whatever he was told or learned, I was able to absorb all of those different things. But at the beginning of it, it, it was very simple. Uh, me and him had a conversation one night at his house. The first night, he let me know that he was going to run for governor, I mean, yeah, lieutenant governor. And he leaned over and he said, you know, I'm a Republican. I said, oh, so you're the crazy racist white guy that's holding me back, right? And we had a good laugh about it, but then we started going down a rabbit hole of policy. And I realized that I didn't align with those beliefs anyway. Mind 
with you, I wasn't ever acting active, like an activist. I wasn't marching for nothing. I was just, I was null and void in the political space at sure. that capacity. Um, but once we started looking at policy that was beneficial versus detrimental, uh, for me, I was like, I had to check that box. And I, I changed over the next day, um, signed off. I'm, I'm a conservative, I'm, I'm Republican. And it just really came down to me understanding the policies. Uh, I'm pro-life, I, do, I don't believe in that. I do believe that uh, the bigger the government, the smaller the people, so I'm always for the people. Um, and I believe my Second Amendment rights. I am a gun owner, I'm an avid hunter. And I know that California has some of the strictest gun laws. The strictest. You know, and, and so uh, we don't have a champion or a voice. And, you know, I've toured the agriculture scene as well, the industry, and they're being obliterated by so many restrictions also, and they need water. And for me, it's like a simple thing to be able to do. But once more, if you treat like a business versus a service and caring about a billion-dollar industry with all these families that have given so much mm. to our state, uh, that's, this is what you have. So uh, I want to be that voice for all of those. I love hearing that. Let's talk about something else for a moment. You're black. What? Crazy, <laughs> I know, crazy. And when you think about how the African-American population leans mm -hmm. towards liberalism, towards the democratic way, you're immediately <clears throat> gonna be ostracized. For sure. And we've got a fair number of like African-American population here in California mm -hmm. and you need their support. <clears throat> What's your game plan? The game plan is uh, to connect through a story versus going in trying to teach and tell them, um, you know, you should do this or I'm gonna do this for you, this is the plan. I need to be able to connect with them through my story. There is a relatability there uh, that other candidates can express in those environments. And from that story or that relatability gives us an opportunity to build. And what my plans are is going to be based upon what you're, you're actually giving me because what do I do? I come in and say, what do we need? Where are the opportunities for us to better our communities, to better your community? What kind of resources do you need? And I will be in a position to be able to do that for you. But at the end of the day, it is a hard line that I do tell them, if not me, then who? And how do you feel like that's going to work out? Because I can show you data and statistics of those that brand of leadership. Those individuals with those so-called backgrounds and quali qualifications have not served this community in any way or any capacity. Yet they've made promises to that community and the community keeps their loyalty. Yeah. Why is that, man? Well, it's, it's, sometimes it's just wishful thinking. And sometimes it's the mm -hmm. old analogy that my grandmother used to say, some people just rather cut their nose off despite their face. That's you know, um, there uh, it's kind of like a one-track mind, uh, one political yeah. um, issue, one, yeah. one issue voter type of situation. But once more, it comes back to me. I I have to embrace that. Like I want to break through that barrier. So I treat it all like a science project. Each conversation, each interaction, because I really want to figure out how do we break that. Because if I always look at it as if it's the hardest thing to do, which a lot of people project and say that it is, uh, then I would never do it. I would never take that first step or anything in history would never have been accomplished because everything that's been accomplished great in history was said to be hard. Sure. Right? Think if I came to you and say, hey, man, I'm building an airplane. We're like, what? Only birds fly. Right? So think right. about that. Right. And then what do we see every day? You know, planes flying all over the place. It's a business, right? Yep. So I exist in that space. I believe in myself. I believe in my confidence to be, I have confidence to be able to uh, craft the right message and come from a genuine place. But I just think my story is way more relatable than anybody else in this race. I agree. I agree. And I couldn't actually agree more. And truly, 
this is the first time we're meeting face to face and uh, I look forward to building a relationship with you and um, the audience knows here, like the moment I see like a red flag, I'm gonna be like, hey, red flag, right? <laughs> but from what I've seen and everything that I've seen and everything that I've experienced yeah. with you, you really are the next, the, the, the next and best candidate as a Thank governor you. for our state of California. And I appreciate you coming from a place of service and understanding that you're a public servant first and asking questions. Yeah. And I, I wanna finish this interview off, unless there's anything else you wanna add, you can, but I wanna finish it off by asking you this thing, this question, what, what, why do you think that there's less of our political servants, I'm not gonna call them political leaders, there's so many of our political servants who are afraid to ask those questions, like what do you want, what do you need, to the farmers, to the entrepreneurs, to the, all the different, communities, why aren't they asking questions like you are instead of just dictating and delegating? So I'm going to give you um, a, a metaphorical example. It's just like when you go to the basketball court and you know that you're not talented. You're not going to go and guard Kobe Bryant or LeBron James or any of the, the elite players. You're going to go try to guard like the least and just stay in your own little lane. The reason why they don't go to these particular places, they don't have the talent because they know they can't produce. Mm -hmm. They don't have the art of the deal. They don't have the confidence to go in there and sway their colleagues. Uh, they don't have the juice, the right? The it factor. They don't, they don't have the it factor and they know it. Uh, I often tell people this and it's, it's funny, uh, being in this political space, uh, a lot of these individuals, are, they were never the it guys. They were never the cool guys in school. Uh, they never had that flair. So now they're in an industry where they get attention and recognition for being in those, in those particular offices. Mm -hmm. They put the suits on, they have the pens and things of that nature. And so they have this elitist type of feel because they think this is how it's supposed to act. What's throwing them off is that I walk in with the same type of confidence, but I'm still so down to earth and so, so genuine and so cool with people. And I didn't have to create my character. This is exactly who I am. They had to create their facade. Sure. They had to create their, their character and they had to get in the mirror and talk to themselves and build themselves up. I've been uh, confident in myself for a very long time. At 14 years old, had my own business, you know, cutting yards, you know, gave my cousin a job, uh, selling cars since, right? So I've always been sure, I, you know, playing basketball, I, I, I sucked. I was, was basketball I was your sport? That was my sport. Okay, you but said I, you were an athlete, I was curious. I, I, I was horrible at the beginning, but I worked every single day and I surpassed every one of my peers by the time I was mm. a junior in high school. And I remember my senior year, i never forget a good buddy of mine by the name of Andre Washington. He said, I would have never expected you to be who you are today on the court because I was the guy who they would put in the game in the church leagues when we was like, you know, 13, 14 years old. Sure. Everybody on the team, no, no, put him in. Oh, I was man, that guy. Yeah. But I went and worked every single day, ran hills, dribbled, shot in the, in the rain, everything by myself. I wanted to people, I was, I was one of those type of people like, I'm going to show you. You can't tell me I can't do something. If you tell me I can't do something, you basically told me I can do it. Well said. And to that point, I just want to stress another point here to our watchers, to our viewers and listeners in that when you show up with natural confidence, yeah. You feel very okay, you feel very safe with asking, hey, I don't know exactly what needs to be done, I know something needs to be done, what do you think needs to be done? Yeah. And that was a lesson that I shared with one of my leaders upstairs for one of my companies. Uh, he made a decision that he could have asked other more experienced people around mm -hmm. him, but he made that decision out of, he wasn't fully, he made that decision out of insecurity mm -hmm. because he felt that if he had asked for help, he might have been seen as weak. 
And so he needs to make a decision and he was just kind of hoping that it worked out. Right. And of course it didn't. And so I had to come and help course correct. But I share that because as you guys are watching this, obviously you see where I'm going here. If you're in California, I need you all to vote for, for Major Williams. And I need you to tell at least 10 other Californians to vote for Major Williams. That aside, since the Empire Show is about building better humans and entrepreneurs who are gonna impact the world, as you build your confidence in life by stacking those wins and, and not being a hypocrite, you end up feeling very okay and safe. Like I don't feel insecure at all going to someone and saying, man, I don't know how to do this, yeah. but I need your help and give me some guidance. And that doesn't make me a lesser person. At all. And you nailed it when you said, those guys in power right now, they weren't necessarily the most confident people growing up. They did figure out the formula to getting elected yeah. and now show up with this fake mask of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. What else do we need to know before we wrap this episode up about Major Williams and the future governor of California? Well, we need to know that, uh, first of all, um, this is a very organic campaign. Everything that we have done as far as our awareness has been very organic. Uh, we have an amazing ambassador program where people are donating to the campaign on a monthly basis, even if it's just $5. And if you do do that, just understand you may get a random phone call from me as well, too. And we do that all the time. We just call people and just give them thanks and, for, and just let them know that we appreciate. And then, you know, they feel a certain kind of way. It's like, I wish I can do more. I say, no, you have no idea sure. what you just did. I don't care what amount it is. If you donated 100 or 1,000, it's all the same to me. Uh, beyond that, just continue to follow us on this journey. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Major Williams. And uh, if you know any podcasters or any other media outlets, be sure to tag them on our comments or, or on our content and let them know we exist. You know, we just did a show today earlier and we're looking forward to do more, do more and to get the Good. name out there. Good, but let's talk about that last piece for a moment about the financing. This is a grassroots campaign that yeah. you're doing. You're not funded by some big conglomerates, organizations that are trying to lobby and get you into positions so yeah. that they can have, you know, whatever, all the stake in California. And so you really do need to be funded. And even guys, even if you're not in California, yeah. if you're part of the United States, yeah. because if change doesn't start here, you know what pissed me off? I'm gonna tell you something real quick. Yeah. I had a few friends who left Southern California in the last four months. And I said, hey, why are you leaving? They said, well, it's gone to hell. I said, well, if it's gone to hell in whatever state you're going to, isn't that going to go to hell too? Because this is the trailblazer. This is the trailblazer. Yeah. And so whatever state you guys are in, I'm asking you to not only follow Major Williams on Instagram, but go to his website. And even if it's just $5 a month or more, you ought to consider making those, those contributions to a grassroots fund that's going to make a massive change because you know how it works. When there's change that's positive in California, it bleeds across the entire nation. And sadly, when there's change that's negative, look what happened when California has gone so sideways that we've got so many states like Pennsylvania and Michigan and New York, New Jersey, and all these other mm -hmm. states who are starting to adopt that way of behavior. Right. And so again, I just wanna thank you for taking the time to coming out here uh, to HQ. Uh, we'll certainly have you on the show again thank in the you. future. Thank you, I appreciate it, this is great. Yeah, man, and uh, guys, be sure to take a screenshot of this episode, be sure to tag Major and myself, and when you share this, tag every big podcaster from Ed Milet to my friend Andy Fursilla to Joe Rogan. I want you to tag every podcaster that you know should have Major on there so that we can get him on the shows and get him into office. Thank you so much and appreciate y'all watching The Empire Show.